Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all. It's a delight to welcome everybody to worship this morning. A very special welcome to any visitors who may be among us today. We are delighted that you're here. We hope you feel very much at home here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. So welcome, one and all. Welcome also to those of you who are worshiping with us online. 
We are grateful for your presence with us virtually, and we remind you that you can go to the church website. You can download the church bulletin there on the front page, the home page of the church website, and you can follow along with all that we're doing here in our worship service. We invite you to participate in every way that you can while you're watching this at home. So a warm welcome to everybody. Please do sign the friendship pad in one variety or another. There are yellow pads that are over there um, that you can sign on your way out. You can see the offering plates there and the friendship pads, the things that we normally pass around. We're not passing around yet, but we will hopefully resume some of that worship practice soon. But for now, you can sign the friendship pad that's on the table over there. You can also go to the uh, church website, and there is an online friendship pad that you can sign. And then there's a QR code in your bulletin. You just point your phone at it, and it'll take you to that website, and you can sign that as well. Again, just a way for us to know who's here, especially if you're a visitor and you want to know more about GPC, then you can sign that friendship pad online or virtually. You can sign it here in the sanctuary, and we'll be delighted to tell you more about who we are as a family of faith. But please do sign that. There are visitor packets at the entrance of our worship space here, and you can uh, pick one of those up if you are a visitor and you'd like to know more about GPC as well and different programs, different groups, different things we have going on, then you can pick up a visitor's pack at the door as well. Don't forget about our evening worship service. That's tonight at 6, and that will be in here. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back to that service, a little bit different style, but a wonderful service as well. So please do come back this evening at 6. And we hope, I think we're on track to be back in the sanctuary next Sunday. Um, I think we're on that. (laughs) Don't clap yet. (laughs) Don't clap yet, because I was about to say, I think, (laughs) I think we're going to be back in there. Um, You can go in there and look uh, this morning, go in there and look, see the new carpet, the, the paint. It really looks fantastic, and the pews are back in, but not quite the balcony. There's still some work that needs to be done. So I hope we'll be back, but if we're not, then we'll be in here another week, but we hope we're back in the sanctuary next week. Come to church regardless. Come anyway, whether we're in here or we're in the sanctuary, we know God will be present, but we're looking forward very much to being back. I suppose it's a 50-50 chance we'll be back in the sanctuary. Either we will or we won't, so it's 50-50. So please come anyway. And we look forward to worshiping uh, next week, of course. I believe that's all of our announcements this morning. So now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Call to worship. <laughs> Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. Sing to God a new song. For the word of the Lord is right and true. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our God and our shield. Come, let us worship the Lord.
God is good, loving and just. Out of gratitude for God's grace, let us confess our sin and our desire for forgiveness. O Lord, we confess that we have failed you. We like our comfort and the way things are. We find it easier to stay at home than serve people who don't look like us, don't love like we love, and don't act the way we act. We confess that we have not lived out your call to share in abundant life and unconditional love. Holy God, forgive us. Help us to see your purpose in every encounter. Give us the courage to follow your leading and to be your people in all we say and do. Work in us so we can change our lives and grow more each day into the image of Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. God pours out his love each day into our lives. God offers us grace through Jesus Christ. In his name, we are forgiven. Let us rejoice in our salvation. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward, please remember those who usually sit near you and pray for them and contact them later today to share your love for them. Good morning, boys and girls. It's good to see everybody this morning. I'm so glad you're here on this summer day. We are talking in Sunday school this summer about confidence and what it means to be confident when you trust God with your life. And so one thing that we know about children, especially when they go to school, like kindergarten, first and second grade, you begin to notice other children in your class, right? You begin to see what they can do. And about this age, children begin to compare themselves to other children in your class. And sometimes you may find that you are the great baseball player or you are the great reader or um, you have the best dress in the class. Whatever it is, we begin to notice other people um, are sometimes better at reading or baseball or clothes. And sometimes that kind of can make us feel what? Kind of can make us feel, it can kind of make us feel sad about things in our life. But what we want to remember is that God has made you in his image to be like him and he has a great plan for you in your life. And so you can have confidence when you trust Jesus with your life. You can have confidence in where God is leading you. So at Sunday School this month, we're talking about confidence. We're learning a lot of stories from the Old Testament. And I hope um, everybody that can come to Sunday School this month will join us. And we'll have popsicles. And we'll talk about this more and more at Sunday School. Um, so I have a little reading for you this week that you can take home, and when you're talking with your parents about things you notice about other children, maybe take a few minutes to stop and read what God has planned for you, and then you can remember the confidence, and you can be confident in God's love for you, okay? All right, will you bow your head with me, and let's say a prayer, okay? Can you pray after me? Dear loving Father, 
Thank you for your creation, your loving son, Jesus, and help us to trust you with our life. Amen. I saw several eyes light up at the mention of popsicles. So if you come to church next Sunday, we'll have popsicles for all the adults after church, and you can join the children. That's your incentive for next Sunday. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we do come to you this morning with a lightness in our spirit because it is summer and because we are in the presence of children and we are in the presence of you, O giver of life. And so we pray, Lord, that you would continue to be with us in our time of worship now as we ask your presence, especially in our hearts and in our minds, as we turn to your sacred word, Lord, we know that you speak to us through these words that are your word. And so we lift up Tom as he preaches and we lift up our reading of this word that you, O God, may be honored and that you would speak to us through it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. With our readings this morning, we are actually inverting the readings that are printed there in your bulletin, and so I'll be reading the New Testament lesson first, and that comes to us from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But you are led by the Spirit, and if you are, then you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But by contrast... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited competing against one another, envying one another. Thank you, Will, and good morning. For the past several weeks, we've been looking at some of the ways that God is at work in our world, both individually within ourselves, but also together, corporately. And I'm to continue the series today by jumping ahead in the Old Testament narrative to the very beginning of 2 Samuel. But it's a big jump from David defeating Goliath last week to today's reading, so a little background is needed. So after David kills Goliath, The remainder of 1 Samuel tells the story of Saul's jealousy. He was jealous because David was successful in everything he tried, and he developed a wonderful friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan. So Saul came to see David as a threat and tried several times to either kill him 
or have him killed. David would run away and Saul would give chase. Twice, David was in a position where he could have killed Saul, but he refrained because Saul was still God's anointed king. It's quite a story, really, and I encourage you to go back and look at 1 Samuel and read through the many stories, adventures that are there. But 1 Samuel ends with both Saul and Jonathan killed in battle. And so this morning's reading from 2 Samuel then picks up at this point and tells us how David responded to the news that these two had been killed in battle. So now let me read our Old Testament passage. After the death of Saul, David returned from striking down the Amalekites and stayed in Ziklag two days. And David then took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan. And he ordered that the people of Judah be taught this lament of the bow, as it is written in the book of Jashar. A gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Mountains of Gilboa, may you neither have neither dew nor rain. May no showers fall on your terraced fields. For there the shield of the mighty was despised, the shield of Saul, no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. How the mighty have fallen, the weapons of war have perished. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I have to admit, as I wrestled with this passage, I came to the conclusion that David's response is not the reaction that I expected. I thought he would give in to his human nature and give a very human response. Take the opportunity to mock Saul, maybe. Look, everyone, the supposedly great King Saul really isn't so great after all. He's dead. He tried to kill me. But I'm alive and he's dead. Or David might have taken the opportunity to air his grievances against Saul, building himself up in the process by tearing down his opponent. This was David's perfect time to have the last word, to tell the world how bad Saul really was and how everyone is better off with Saul dead. I thought David's reaction would be like a daughter who spoke these words at her mother's funeral. She said, Mom actually was not a nice person. She was vain, selfish, and mean. She was physically abusive to us and mentally cruel as well. When someone asked me what my good memories of my mother are, I cannot think of a single one. This is the kind of speech I expected David to give, a celebration over the death of David or of Saul. And I got to thinking, we're all like this, aren't we? And not just at funerals. I mean, this is our nature. We're wired to see ourselves as the good person in every situation. 
We're wired to give voice to our every impulse to build ourselves up, to do what is needed to promote ourselves, even if it means knocking someone else down. We judge circumstances, though, by our limited vision and allow our judgment to determine how we respond. Me first always comes first. We let our human nature rule our thoughts and our decisions. We say, this feels right, and we proceed, not thinking about the damage that we're doing, either to ourselves or to others. Yes, this is our nature. But we haven't always been this way. God didn't create us to be selfish, egotistical, or greedy. God created us in His image, giving us the capacity to create, reason, love, and experience a wide range of emotions. But as we hear in Genesis, human nature experienced a fall. One of the results of Adam's sin is that our human nature has become corrupted. Our nature is now bent to sin so that our hearts are deceitful and desperately sick, as the prophet Jeremiah wrote. We live in a fallen world. And the original sin, the I want to be a God, results in tribalism, ego, and greed. We think we should be the center of the universe. And we're tempted to, to do whatever is necessary to maintain our status. Lie, cheat, steal, sometimes even kill. But our frustration at not getting what we want leads to fear, angerness, bitterness, hatred, enmity, guilt. We humans want what we want when we want it, even if someone else is hurt. And I'm guessing that David had these impulses and desires. He wanted to strike out. His nature said to strike out. But Scripture also tells us David was a man after God's heart. And with the Spirit's help, David was able, in this instance, to rise above that nature, to be saved from his impulses, and to deliver a heartfelt and gracious lament. We can clearly see God reflected in the words that David utters. God saved David from himself, and God allowed David to see the deaths of Saul and Jonathan for what they really were. It was the end of two human lives, a time when any of us should mourn under violent and tragic circumstances, ending any chance of David and Saul reconciling. It was the death of God's anointed king, and it eliminated any chance for the redemption of Saul. David lost a close friend, Jonathan, in the end of that companionship. But it was also a military crisis for Israel. Israel's enemies could see this as an opportunity to push for battle before Israel could reorganize. It was also a political crisis in Israel. The death of any king inevitably sets off a succession battle. And Saul had plenty of family who could fight to assert their family's dominance. Because of, David, of God's spirit within him, David was able to help the people see what Saul's death truly meant. And David was able to become the leader God called him to be. And my friends, this is true of us as well. Our corrupted human nature is not our end. It is not our fate. You see, God sent us a Savior, Jesus Christ, to save us from ourselves. Now, even after salvation, our struggle against our human nature continues. But here is today's good news. Christ sent us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us rise above our base nature, our selfishness, our ego, and our greed, and to replace our desires with, as Paul said, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So how do we do this? How does this happen? 
Well, I see three ways. The first step is to acknowledge our sinful nature, to admit that we have a fallen nature and we need God. And when we hand ourselves over to God, He will, as Christ promised, bring, send the Spirit to help us, to work with us. The second step is to listen for God's voice, for His gentle leading in every situation. I'm amazed at what I can hear when I turn my attention away from the incessant voices calling for my attention. Television, radio, cable news, social media, to name just a few, and to truly listen for God's voice. It's so much easier to hear God when I'm actively listening for Him. Author Tim Hansel, in his book, When I Relax, I Feel Guilty, tells the story of visiting New York City with a Native American friend of his. And in the midst of that busy and noisy city, his friend said, I hear a cricket. Tim said, I looked at him and said, you're crazy. You can't possibly hear a cricket with all this noise around here. No, I'm sure I hear a cricket, his friend said. His friend listened for a moment walked to the corner, crossed the street, started looking around. He finally spied a shrub in a large cement planter. He dug beneath the leaves, and by golly, there was a cricket. Tim writes, I was astounded. But his friend said, my ears are no different from yours. It simply depends on what you are listening for. He said, here, let me show you. So his friend reached into his pocket, pulled out a handful of coins, Toss them out on the pavement. Clink, 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 clink. Be surprised, Tim said, the number of heads that turned to look. See what I mean, his friend said? It all depends on what you listen for. So I ask, what do we hear when we're talking to a friend? Do we hear their words that everything's okay? Or do we hear the hurt behind their words? Do we hear our to-do list distracting us, or do we hear our children pleading for attention? And what do our friends hear when they listen to us? Do they hear words of grace or judgment? Do they hear messages that lift them up or tear them down? All depends on what you're listening for. And the third step I see is that we look for opportunities to serve others, to put others first. A doctor shares this story in Michael Powell's book, Straighten Up. The unnamed doctor writes this. He said, as I started my practice of medicine, I had a pretty high opinion of my abilities. I thought I walked on water, and I allowed a spirit of arrogance to take over the way I practiced medicine and the way I approached my patients. I thought I had better time to do, I had better things to do than spend my time treating hopeless cases. One day, though, a young man I'll call John walked into my office, or rather was wheeled into my office. A colleague had referred him to me, and I was furious. John was age 14 and was extremely ill, been abandoned by his parents, didn't have friends, and lived in a foster home. And there he was in my treatment room. But I put on my I'm the doctor and I know everything face and got to work. Over the next year, John was in and out of the hospital and underwent many painful treatments. All, I thought, to give him some relief. I spent countless hours examining John, thinking about his case and thinking of new things I could try on him. Everything was unsuccessful. And the longer this went on, the more I viewed the case as an ordeal. I was tired and frustrated and, to be honest, still a little mad at myself for taking John's case in the first place. I should be working on cases that will bring great advances in medicine, I thought, not this dying teenager. Finally, after one particularly frustrating day of treatment, John grabbed my arm and he said very quietly, I'm sorry to be such a burden to you. 
And the doctor says, that's when God's Spirit brought me up short. The Spirit made me realize I had been treating John as a burdensome medical case, not as a human being. I had been focused on my needs and my wants, not on a fellow human being who deserved much better care than I was providing. I realized John had a sweet spirit and never complained, no matter how painful the treatment might have been. God convicted me, and I began to put John first from that moment on, to treat him as a child of God, not a hopeless medical case. And he sums up, I encountered Jesus that day in the person of John, and God's Spirit humbled me. I thought I was required to do great things for the benefit of all humanity, but the Holy Spirit reminded me that I was called to do better things for the least of my brothers and sisters. I will never forget my encounter with Jesus or the lessons the Spirit and John taught me that day. My friend, God is at work in you and in me, saving us from ourselves, from our nature, helping us to rise above that corruption that came from the fall. We're being saved from our desire to see ourselves as the center of the universe and the first thing, God is at work. So my prayer is that he, we let him work in us today. Amen. As God has liberated us from the need to live just for ourselves and given us the grace to live for him, I invite you to stand as you are able and join me as we reaffirm to whom we will serve this day by reciting together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascendeth into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. I now would like to invite Jackie Clausen, our special needs ministry director, and Neil Horner to come forward for a minute for mission. morning. It's uh, so nice to be here for coming up on my sixth month because now I'm looking out into the sea of faces and I see familiar faces. So I'm starting to feel very at home here and I appreciate all of you being here today and letting us speak to you. Um, Neil has a statement that he will give and then I will talk with you very briefly about where we're going with our peace program. Please welcome Neil. Morning. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the uh, peace program at Germantown Presbyterian Church. You said I got, what, 30 minutes? <laughs> um, peace program, the place where exceptional adults and children are embraced. We are all made in the image of God, and we are blessed to have this opportunity to share in this ministry. When I was growing up, I was lucky to be involved in a similar program to Germantown's, the Peace Program. While similar in thought, Germantown has embraced and pushed forward in this ministry in new directions and is actively bringing outside participation from the Memphis-Shelby County community. 
You don't have to be a member to be involved with any of these programs. In fact, most are not. There are four active programs taking place within our walls here, and I'm not sure if everyone is aware of these. Uh, I'll go over them here. Breathe. Breathe is a parents' night out program offered by Germantown Presbyterian Church to its members and the community. Our desire is to provide the respite parents need in today's fast-paced world. An evening lasts from 6.30 to 10 in the evening. Volunteers arrive around 6, get going at 6.30. After a simple program to get everyone involved, we eat pizza. After pizza, we generally have a craft to make and then watch a movie. Then the parents arrive, we say our goodbyes until the next month. Not a hard evening, but very rewarding. Wacky Wednesday. I admit I've not been able to make a Wacky Wednesday, but from what I'm told, wacky is the right word. My wife comes home telling me about all that has gone on and I'm going to make one of these programs. Can't let her have all the fun. This program is a summer program for ages 15 and up. Each week is a standalone lesson. So if you miss a week, you can fall right back in without missing a beat. Friendship Circle. Friendship Circle at GPC is for our community to focus on building character through Bible study and various creative outlets while building lasting friendships with other participants. This takes place in the fall, winter, and spring seasons on Wednesdays 12.15 to 2.30. Amplify. This is an exciting program. This program introduces music theory to our participants. Fall session begins August 19th. There'll be a recital on December 9th and a spring performance on May 19th. As you can see, we have four ministries within the peace program at Germantown Presbyterian, not to mention the extras. I'm sure many of you have participated in the joy prom our own Jeff Day Magic Show, Fishing at the Cates, which is coming up soon, and no telling what else will come up in the future. My wife Sherry and I have been involved along with our families in this ministry for over 40 years. It has touched all our lives in ways I never would have guessed. This is something I hope everyone will get involved with. When you get a smile and a hug from a sincere, loving participant, that will warm your heart and let you know this is the right thing to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. With all this, we hope to see new faces getting in on the volunteers, fun and blessings that come from participating. Please prayerfully consider how you can be part of this ministry. Thank you, Neil. I forgot to bring the tissues. <laughs> <laughs> I promised him tissues and then I forgot. Um, I do just want to remind you who I am. Uh, my name is Jackie Classen. I am the director of the special needs ministry. We call it the Peace Program. So if you look on our website under ministries, it is peace, peace, and it is a very special ministry. It is very heartwarming. Um, our goal is to grow our volunteer base so that we can also grow our participant base. Uh, we average 17 to 25 participants, depending on the type of activity. We had a picnic where we had about 40 people. Memphis Joy Prom pulls in about 250 people throughout the whole area, and that's a collaborative effort between multiple churches. Uh, but there are many people out there to serve 
And in order to serve them, we just need people who are willing to be there and enjoy their, uh, as Neil put it, their truly sweet and sensitive souls. They are very loving and very kind. And you walk away with more than you bring. So thank you for listening to us this morning. Have a blessed day. My sisters and brothers, we've been blessed to hear the story of the peace program, to hear God's word read and proclaimed to us. And now we're blessed yet again to offer up to God our prayers for one another, for our community, for our world. And so during these prayers, I will leave a space of silence where you can name out loud those that are on your heart and that are in your families or in our community of faith that we are holding in prayer. And I will invite you to respond when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you may respond here our prayer. So let us now turn our hearts and our minds to Almighty God. Oh God, in these summer days, we long for you to make all things new, fresh, and vibrant, including our own lives. And beginning now, as we come on bended knees and offer our prayers for the many and vast needs of humankind everywhere, be with us. And hear us now as we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh God, we pray for those who wait to know if their loved ones and friends are survivors or among the deceased of the horrific building collapse in Florida. Bless them, we pray. We pray for those who are in the pathway of the wildfires in the western part of this country, and those who are battling the fires. Bless them, we pray. We pray for those without safety, shelter, clean water, and food, and those who have the ability to offer these to those. Bless each one, we pray. We pray for those who are experiencing addiction today and those who love them dearly. Bless them, we pray. We pray for those who are sick or injured, mind, body, soul, and those who tenderly care for them. Bless them, we pray. We pray for those being born and those who will die today and all of their loved ones. Bless them, we pray. Hear our cries for your holy presence. Lead and guide us and each one into your love by your tender care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh God, we pray for leaders across this vast world. Awaken each one to your calling on their lives to lead, guide, and protect your people by seeking first your wisdom before they speak or act so that it is your will that is accomplished through them. May they love and care for the people with the compassion of Christ our Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, hear us now as we name before you those that are on our hearts and our minds in this very moment. Holy God of mercy and healing, Surround those that we have named and those that remain in the silence of our own hearts. Bless each one with all that they need for this very day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Holy God, awed by your mercy, your kindness, and compassion, 
We seek to respond in obedient faithfulness to you. So strengthen our resolve to follow where Christ leads and to obey his commandment to love. In a world overflowing with anger and division, send us out to be ambassadors of reconciliation, instruments of righteousness and healing, bearers of hope and catalyst of life-giving change. And always, Lord God, remind us daily of your constant presence in our lives so that we are fully aware that you do not ask us to be messengers of love alone, but in community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now let us listen to the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray as the prayer is sung for us. Whether we have much or whether we have little, God expects us to respond to God's graciousness to us through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. So in this moment, you're invited to do just that. And if you're with us in person, you'll find the offering tray right here by the doors. And if you're worshiping with us online, you can go to the giving tab on our website and find multiple ways to give to God's kingdom in the here and now. May it be so, and let us give with great joy and generosity. Thank you. Truth and love. 
Let us turn to God in prayer. Gracious God, we offer you our resources, knowing that you will take them and bless them and multiply them and then use them to meet the world's needs. We offer to you too our very lives and thank you for the opportunities you give us to participate in your life-giving work for the sake of your kingdom. Through Christ, we offer these prayers, and together we say, Amen. My friends, God is at work in our lives. If we'll let him in, if we'll admit that we need his help, we listen for his voice and seek every opportunity to love our neighbor as ourselves. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us today and I do pray evermore. Amen. Thank you.